Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share, she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal Series, wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! Exclamation point, The Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, The Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way, Down There, Sexual and Reproductive Health, The Wise Woman Way. And Abundantly Well, Seven Medicines, The Wise Woman Way, the newest book in the Wise Woman Herbal Series. So exciting. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at thewisewomanschool.com. Join us there for colorful, instructive, easy video courses, including Easy Herbal Medicine with Susan Weed, Happy Knees, a cancer diagnosis, adaptogens for long life, and abundantly well companion course, wisewomanschool.com. You can also just go to her website, susanweed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's see what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you, and welcome, Susan. Thank you, Justine, and welcome, Sarah Ellen. Hi, Susan. How are you doing this evening? I am doing great. I haven't had a chance to open my Statue of Liberty puzzle yet, but I am looking forward to it. (laughs) Yay. 
what fun, what fun. Yes, oh, and the Comfrey Conference, so much is going on with the Comfrey Conference. It's just, wow, huh? Wow, yes, interviews are starting to get set up. I think you've got some of those happening this week. And yeah, and, and we have, yeah. a, a, you know, a, a nice stack of uh, people who are going to be main presenters. And this week I just learned from the alley, my virtual assistant who's doing all the techno work, that we can open it up to everybody. And this is kind of, I pushed on this a little bit because the Comfrey Forum, which is wonderful, is it really what I ha- had in mind? What I had in mind was people sharing short videos about their experiences with Comfrey. And Allie says we can do that as part of the Comfrey Conference. She's going to set up a link for people who want to put in a up to 10 minutes, no longer than 10 minutes, video about their experiences with Comfrey. If you have that many experiences and you want to make two, you can make two. How Right? So the Comfrey Conference is going to run from May 9th to May 15th, Monday through Sunday. And every day there will be two main presenters whose videos will be available to be seen all day. And hopefully, um, who will be available on that day to answer questions about their videos in a live Zoom meeting. And that those live Zoom meetings are only going to happen that week with our main group of presenters. The short videos, I'm calling them the Comfrey Shorts, um, you don't have to worry about you know being a presenter or being available to do any of that. You just submit your video. And everybody's getting paid for all of the videos that are aired at the rate of $7.50 a minute. Oh, wow. So you could even go out and get some ice cream or buy some nettle, (laughs) do something with uh, even a very short video. Because that's that's what I really want. I want to see a lot of people sharing their experiences with Comfort. You know, we're a really amazing, and, and I'm not sure if it's, Unusual, but it feels unusual to all of us. Time where we have so much collected modern experience about herbs now. You remember back to when I was first interested in herbs and herbal medicine in 1965, and in Manhattan, the main library had only four books about herbs, and they weren't about herbal medicine. They were about putting basil with your tomatoes. Herbs for the kitchen. Right. And that's great. That was wonderful. That was a good place for me to start. But now, you know, all of these years later, right, almost 60 years later, more than half a century later, we have probably thousands, if not tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people who've been actively using herbs in their lives for healing minor to major things and we can actually take in this information because we have the internet and um, this technological way to connect with each other so we all get the benefit of 
all of everybody's experiences. We don't have to go by something that's written in the book. Oh, you can't use comfrey in this way. Why not? Because it's written in this book. And maybe it's true and it, maybe it's not. I don't know what you found in your explorations with herbs, but in my personal, experiential life with herbs, I have certainly found a lot of stuff in books that isn't true, especially the stuff where they're warning me. Yeah. Yeah. My experience has definitely been my most significant and reliable teacher. Um, yeah, beyond any book for sure. And the the plant, it's so different, the experience, um, sometimes from a book and in person that it's like you wonder if they're even talking about the same plant. Um, it's just, yeah, there's nothing like the hands-on and, and putting it inside, ingesting it into my body or sitting with it and relating with it. And, um, you know, I mean, even poison ivy my number one ally plant. So I never would have had that experience um, and understanding had it not been hands-on. Nothing I read ever prepared me for what the plant taught me in my own experience. So, yeah, Comfrey, what resource? Yeah, Yeah, so we, we get, we all get to participate in whatever way we want to. If we just want to view, if we want to share a comfrey story, whatever we want. And the comfrey conference is going to be by registration. And the registration is free between now and May 11th, which is either my sister's or my mother's birthday. They were born a week apart, and I could never quite get it straight. That's okay. So I celebrate them both all week long, between the 11th and the 18th. And um, at that point, at May 11th, which will be the Wednesday of the week that it's airing, um, we will start charging for the Comfrey Conference. And um, at this point, and I don't think we're going to change our minds, it's going to be $89. And if you register for free, you have lifetime access. And if you um, get there late and pay $89, you still have lifetime access. So we're not going to do any, you know, I've been talking to you about how I've been signing up for all these online events, you know, conferences and so on, most of which I don't go to. Um, Mm. But just to kind of see how they're doing it and what they're doing it. And, wow, you know, has my email box been full of pushing products and pushing, you know, the sale price of the conference and this and that and uh, I was saying to Justine, I really don't want to do any of that. She said, no, no, we have a very specific sales tactic that we have been using, and it seems to work great for us. I said, oh, what's that? She says, we give things away. Love it. Love, love. And I said, you're right. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, so we're giving the country conference away. Okay. Are there expenses involved with it? There are lots of expenses involved with it. And so as of May 11th, we're going to start, you know, seeing if we can recoup a little bit of that. Nobody's going to get rich off the Comfrey Conference except in knowledge. And that's that's what just, ooh, curls my hair, that we're going to have access 
to all of this knowledge to people who can say, well, I know that the book says not to do this or to do this, but this is what I've been doing and this is what I found out. And, wow, to me that really makes herbal medicine people's medicine. And that's the other thing that I've been thinking about and really noticing, that there's, um, to me, herbal medicine is this great wave of people and plants and planet connecting, like you're talking about with the poison ivy and, you know, flowing out and touching everything it meets. And I've become very acutely aware through planning this comfrey conference, that there's at least a segment of the herbal community that is appalled by that. They think things should be more ruled and have, you know, more oversight and licenses and things like that. Uh. And, you know, and it's not that that's wrong. There's room for all of that. But interestingly enough, the people who want the rules and the regulations tend to not think there's room for the people who don't want them. Yeah. 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 Leaving those who don't want them in a position where they need to really pay attention to maintaining their ability to be in a looser way. You know, uh, Prentice and I went up to visit um, Seth at Catskill Comfrey. I talked about that last fall when we did that. And one of the things that we talked about on the way home was how much more relaxed she could be in her ointment making because she wasn't selling it. Uh, yeah. You're making it for yourself. I've been making this lemon blossoms and coconut oil, right? And I'm making it for myself. I'm not selling it. It's not a commercial thing. I'm, I don't see herbal medicine as a commercial thing. I'm not trying to set people up to be in business as herbalists. I want them just to bring herbs into their life with whatever they're doing. And um, so the lemon flowers smelled really good in the coconut oil for the first week. And then the coconut oil got this like... Totally over the top, way too much smell. Really? Wow. Yeah, so I learned something about bringing volatiles into coconut oil, and that's a don't overdo it, Susan. Hmm. So you would have thought that in a You would have time. thought it would have gotten better and better, but it, no, it just got kind of rank, actually. Wow. wow. So. Wow. Now, I had not asked the person who wrote this letter if I could read her letter. So what I'm going to do is read the letter but not read her name. And then if she says, oh, wow, that was my letter, and of course you can say my name, then next week I'll tell you who wrote it. But it doesn't really matter in the greater sense who did, although I appreciate her as a person and appreciate her very much for writing this wonderful letter for me. She says, well, I finally got the nudge I needed to write you. Inertia is a bear. You are a bear. There are plenty of bear goddesses in the pantheon, and bears are intimidating. 
and scary. They deserve our utmost attention, respect, reverence, and understanding. Should you encounter a bear or choose to be around them, be respectful. It's a question about approaching elemental life energy, which is you and your gifts. It makes me grimace when people bemoan or slander your style. This isn't style. This is divine female power we are working with here. This is ancestral and fierce. The very stuff of life. Does a hungry bear care about a person's teddy bear problems? I came to you to learn about plants and, by extension, about life. Plants are such ancient life, ancient teachers. So, yes, allies abound in the world. Green blessings are all around us. And ferocity is part of the package of existence. And I'm grateful for your integrity and your fidelity to the reality principle. I wanted to quit my course, and I sent you a letter saying as much. Then I retracted, realizing... I still have a lot more to learn, most importantly, about commitment. In the interim, you sent me a Get Well Soon card. In it, you said you communicate superbly. From someone I trust to tell the truth, that compliment really meant a lot to me. Thank you for being fierce, truthful, uncompromising, and glorious in sharing yourself as a teacher. You know, in the past, I've been a bit of a clueless Goldilocks, but I found the version of the story where she leaves gifts on the porch of the three bears' home. Salmon, blueberries, rosemary, honeycomb. In honoring the bear, she learns to provide for herself. Wow, huh? Wow, and definitely, wow, what an bright and express. That is, wow, so beautiful, so true. I, I couldn't agree more. So true. Wow. Well, I hope she lets us know who she is because I would love to hear more from her. She sounds like a really <laughs> <laughs> like a whole book. Brilliant. Yes. Just brilliant. There you go. Yeah. That would be great. Yeah. <laughs> so let's see. I told you about the Come Free Conference shorts. And I want to have a Come Free Conference kitchen. Ooh. You know, one of my one of my entrees into Comfrey was in reading about the Henry Doubleday Research Foundation in England. And what I read was that they used comfrey as a foodstuff, as a primary green for three generations. Oh. Yeah. So I don't. I don't. My comfrey's planted in a place where I actually don't go very much, so I don't. Um do anything other than harvest for infusion. Um, But in the early days, I knew people who actually 
did use comfrey as a food. I remember somebody making this very good salad dressing that she called a green goddess dressing with fresh comfrey leaves. And I looked at her and I said, we're not going to be able to eat fresh comfrey leaves. Mm. She said, "Mm, yes, you are. And she put them in her blender with some kind of fat, you know, oil or mayonnaise. I don't really remember what she used. And it was good. And it wasn't hairy. Nice. Were those young leaves, or did it not matter? Yeah, they were fairly young leaves. Yep. Okay. Wow. So I would like for the Comfrey Conference to harbor a Comfrey kitchen where people can send in their recipes for using Comfrey in other ways, right? We know what's mostly going to be talked about. We're going to be hearing about comfrey tea and that comfrey infusion. We're going to be hearing about comfrey oil. We're going to be hearing about comfrey ointment. We're going to be hearing about poultices and compresses, right? Mm-hmm. But I think there's some other comfrey information out there that we can stir up. I was listening to some 50 songs in the car on the way home this evening, and uh, they were singing one that, that my dad used to sing quite a bit, and those of you who are old enough to remember it is a great little little ditty. Hey, good looking, what you got cooking? How about cooking something up with me? <laughs> yeah, I know that one. naturopath who's passionate about empowering women to thrive naturally, especially during midlife, which she thinks is the most vibrant and impactful phase of their lives. Uh, She was going to be here. Vanessa Nixon will be with us at 9 o'clock East Coast time, so stick with us until then or come on back to hear what she has to say and how you can connect with her. Looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. Well, I certainly have been talking up a storm. Didn't get you, let you get oh. a word in edgewise. You, anything you want to talk oh. about tonight? Oh, I don't have too much to say. I'm excited about the Comfrey Conference and just so beautiful watching everything come together. And I love all the new stuff I'm just learning tonight about it. So lots and lots going on with that and uh, no I don't really have anything to add there's a couple callers that have their hands raised and um, so let's get into that all right well uh, let's see I'll remind everyone listening um, if you've got a quest please remember press one so that you line yourself up in the queue Uh, We've got our first caller dialing in from the 845 area code. From the 845, you are live with Susan. Thank you. Hi, Susan. Hi. How are you tonight? Good to hear from you. (laughs) Um, It's almost two months that I am off my uh, blood pressure medication, and I feel a lot better, and I would not have had the courage to go through this without your support. I uh, I am less dizzy. I am uh, less distressed. 
and uh, less depressed. It, it it did all those things for me. Wow. And, okay. That's that's a worthwhile group of things. Yes. Now. Especially the lift in your mood. Yes. It. it I. I am. I am moving more. I am doing my Feldenkrais daily. I walk a little. I am very, very weak. And uh, what I wanted to ask you today is I noticed that when I'm taking my tinctures, and, and this is new, I think because of the medication, my capacity to respond was blurred. But now because I'm not taking any medication, even though I shake the bottle, and I take, obviously, a dripful. It's very little. I feel drunk for a few minutes. Uh, it is written on it to take it between meals, and I think maybe I have to are take you it. Taking it in some, are you taking it in some liquid? Liquid, yeah, the Herba, uh, the herba Farm. Herb Farm. Or are, you putting, are you putting some infusion or some juice or some water in a glass? Yeah, like at least an inch water. of liquid, and then putting your tincture into that. Yes, I put, I put it in water, and after I drink the tincture, I drink some water after it, because um, I want to to clear my palate. The, the mother word, it's it's kind, you know, it is bitter. I don't mind it, but it's bitter. I drink after it's only that. It's bitter when it's made from dried plant material. When it's made from fresh plant material, it tastes like chocolate. Oh, I love chocolate. Yes, it tastes <laughs> so good when it's made. And I, you know what? I bet if you walked outside when it stops raining, you'll find motherwort. There's, I just saw motherwort yesterday. I, I am not good at doing that. I'm avoiding it the looks, kitchen. It, I have to yes. cook times a day for myself. You don't have to cook, it. Don't have to cook it at all. I'm just I suggesting that, that you go out and say hi. Stop. I have to Not wash it. it. I have to. You just say hi. Not that you wash it or cook it or do anything. Just say hi. All right. Hi is okay. I can do that. Hi. Just say hi. Wow, look at that. There's another word. How cool. That's all. Okay. Anyway. Okay. Uh, the so, leaves look like maple leaves, and it's close to the ground now. Later on in the year, it gets taller flowers, and that's when we tincture it. So there's nothing to do with it right now anyhow, except go out and say hi. And I was just saying hi to mine yesterday. I said, hey, Motherwood, how you doing? She said, oh, yeah, nice. That snow melted. She's, well, she's evergreen in our area. I do. Um, I, I always didn't agree with alcohol, and I said it puts me to sleep. Um, even uh, a tablespoon or half a glass of wine. So I want you to could, know if, if this buy, is bad. You or... could buy hawthorn berries and try making hawthorn berry infusion and see if you can switch off to that. No, the, the, I, I, I think that if I take... If I take the tincture after I eat, I probably will not have this reaction. It's taking it on an empty stomach. That, yeah. You know, I, and that, to me, is so absurd. 
Yeah. It's written on it. Herbs are plants. Taking it on an empty stomach does nothing. Nothing at all. How could it do anything? What would it do? It's alcohol. Okay, so are we saying you can't drink wine with your meal? No, I can't. No, I mean it. it uh, I'm not talking about you. I'm just saying the rule about the, on this bottle that's saying don't do it with food makes no sense to me. It's a okay. nonsensical rule, and so if you choose to ignore it, I think you are being wise. Yeah. If you know that you will be feel better by taking your tinctures with food, then I urge you to do that. I generally take the tinctures that I take in the morning with with my breakfast. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's okay. I have the, the second question is about passiflora, and I wonder if it has... Um, an effect on me that I dislike, and that is that I kind of get sleepy after I eat now. Uh, Usually in the morning it's my best energy, and now if I eat my breakfast, I'm tired after that, and if I eat my lunch, I am tired. I'm tired any time I eat. So if you think that that's connected to the passiflora, what you can do is just stop taking it. Well, I think And you'll it, see right away whether or not it's connected. I take it only before I go to sleep because I'm looking forward to the sleep I had all my life, which was eight hours straight. I can't get them straight, but uh, I'm trying to wake up less during the night and it doesn't particularly work I that's the only time I take it I don't take it during the day I'm a little confused I thought what you said was you thought the passiflora was having an effect you didn't like which was to make you sleepy Um, and now I think you're telling me that you are using it to make you sleepy at night, so that's why I take it before I go to sleep. However, I do fall asleep during the day. I wake up in the morning and I eat, and then I'm sleepy, and that annoys me. <laughs> I hear you. And what I'm saying is, if you think that's the passiflora, the easy way to find out is stop taking it at all. Stop taking it. Yeah, well, it's very... You will see whether or not it's making you sleepy within two days. Yes, I, I, I suspect. If there's no that, change within two days, then you say, "Oh, well, it wasn't the best of all, and you can go back to taking it." Yeah, I understand. So, if it's not passiflora, what can it be? It's weird. Um. Any other reason? It's new in my life. <laughs> oh, people can feel. Tired after eating, partly because there is a redistribution of blood flow. Mm. When we eat, the blood 
goes to the core of the body and away from the periphery of the body. So it's kind of a classic for somebody to eat a big dinner and then take a nap, right? Oh, uh, yeah, I don't so eat. Eating, yeah. eating itself tends to make us quiet. In yeah. fact, it's you one of the... One of the things that I suggest to people who want to lose weight is that, as many people have discovered, you can exercise all you want. It won't necessarily change your weight, but if you get up and walk for 15 minutes after a meal, you will probably miss something happening with your weight. Mm -hmm. That's a good idea. That's partly because that exercise right at that time says to your body, we need to use this energy. We're not going to store it. Yeah. And I kind of got, got onto that when I read that sumo wrestlers basically eat the same diet as everybody else in Japan, but they take a nap after every meal. <laughs> That's the reason they look the way they do. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, I'm, I'm reading this and I'm going, Oh my gosh, yeah, what? <laughs> I'm not very far from them, but I'm not even a fighter. I am a fearer. Right, <laughs> right? and that's, they're not eating like, you know, hot dogs and, and you know, corn dogs and french fries. They're eating oh. rice and tofu. Wow. Well, I am, I am generally exhausted these days, uh, whether it's in between or after or before. Right. <laughs> very low on energy. So, like, for me, walking 15 minutes is really a, a, a challenge, but I'm uh, now spring is coming, and I'm going to do it. All right. Hooray. Yay, spring. It was so beautiful out yesterday. Yes. Thank you so much, Susan. Thank you. Thank you. You're a brave and wonderful person. Thank you so much. Green blessings. Good night. All right. It looks like we have five callers that have pressed one to signal that they have a question. Next caller is dialed in from the 619 area code. From the 619, you are live with Susan. Hello? Hi. What's up? Hello, hi. It's really good to be here. Um, good to have you. I had a appreciate it. I just had a, a couple of questions. Um, first question is: I was wondering if there are, are any herbs or herbal treatments that are um, good for kind of assuaging any imbalances and tensions might be caused by like musculoskeletal issues such as scoliosis. Um, the other question, I was wondering if there were any herbs that are good for kind of cognitive abilities or cognitive focus. Mm. It's interesting that you bring up scoliosis. Oh. Most people don't know that I have extremely severe scoliosis. As a matter of fact, my scoliosis is that my ribs actually rest on my pelvis. But I am flexible and completely pain-free, and I bet you can guess what herb I'm going to 
credit with all this come free the comforting comfrey which keeps the bones flexible Whoa, I really are you drinking nourishing herbal infusions at this point comfrey herbal infusions are you drinking any herbal infusions um no no okay so most people drink herbal teas and they're wonderful there's nothing wrong with the tea However, with some herbs, I make an infusion. And I mm. actually drink nourishing herbal infusion. It's my primary drink. I drink about a quart a day, rotating through five herbs. Comfrey oh. leaf, which we're talking about, stinging nettle, oat straw, red clover, and linden. Oof. Okay, so that's I got five the- herbs. There's 30 days in a month, so that means that, let's see, 5 into 30 is 6. I'm drinking a quart a day, and it's four quarts in a gallon, so I'm drinking a gallon and a half of nettle every month. I'm drinking a gallon and a half of comfrey leaf every month. I'm drinking a gallon and a half of oat straw every month. I'm drinking a gallon and a half of red clover every month. I'm drinking a gallon and a half of linden every month, and in fact... Sometimes I drink more. Whoa. Oh, man. As I said, it's my primary drink. I don't drink water. Oh. And I advise people not to drink any water. Really? Why do you think that you should drink water? You think you should drink water because you see that advice everywhere. Where does that advice come from? Was there some study made? Is this a scientific thing? No. The idea that you need to drink two liters of water a day comes from an advertising executive at a large bottling company, which I will not name, in order to sell their bottled water. Oh. Wow. Wow. That, that, that's, that's totally part drink of the course. The more water you drink, the thirstier you get. And the whole idea that water hydrates, well, let's ask ourselves this. When you're hydrating your skin, you do that by putting water on it? Mm. How do you hydrate your skin? You, you you put, like, a lotion on to preserve the moisture that's already there. You put fat on it. Every cell in your body is made of fat. What's the relationship between water and fat? I'm not sure. They hate each other. What? Water, water and fat fight, don't they? They won't mix together. So you, it's very hard for water to actually go into your cells, which are made of fat. But the nourishing herbal infusions go right in. Oh. So how, how, how does a, a, an herbal infusion and the tea differ? 
What is like the key difference that I need to? You probably know how to make an herbal tea. You take a, a tea bag or a spoonful of dried herb or fresh herb and put it in a cup and pour boiling water over it. And a few minutes later, you drink it. That's an herbal tea. And that's wonderful for aromatic herbs like fennel seed or chamomile. With the nourishing herbal infusions, because we're not using any aromatic herbs, using nourishing herbs, we can use a far greater quantity, in fact, one ounce by weight, in a quart of boiling water, and we're going to allow that to steep for four hours. Whoa. Minerals are rocks, right? Right. And so rocks don't move around very fast to get the minerals out of a plant. You need to do rather extreme things. Like when we find iron ore, we burn it in a big fire to get the iron out of it. Right. And many... Right, many herbalists to get minerals out of a plant will make a decoction where they boil it for a while. But, you know, I am such a klutz. Every time I tried to do that, I burned it. So I found I could get the same effect by just putting it in a closed jar and letting it sit around for four hours or overnight is fine. So I usually make my infusion at night. So I set set up a quart of water to boil weigh my one ounce of infusion into a quart jar and go off to the bathroom and brush my teeth. When I'm done brushing my teeth, the water is boiling. I go into the kitchen, pour the boiling water into the jar with the dried herb, turn off the stove, put a cap on the jar, turn off the light and go to sleep. It's ready for me in the morning. Oh. Hardly even takes any time. No, you're not actually boiling the plant. We just let it get sit in a closed jar with the water that was boiling that you poured over it. Now, I will admit that I actually don't often make just a quart of infusion, partly because there are other people here, and sometimes there's a lot of other people, or sometimes we're making three gallons of infusion at once. Right, in which case we are boiling three gallons of water. Usually I get two pots of a gallon and a half each. And there's four quarts in a gallon, so we have three quarters of a pound of herb that we put in there. Twelve ounces in that twelve quarts of water. And that's, again, the water is boiled, the herb is put into it, the stirred in, the fire is turned off, a lid put on it, it's allowed to steep overnight, and then we strain it. And put it in the refrigerator. It can be heated up again if you want it heated up. It's fine to have it warm. Comfrey is especially good. Heat it up. And you can put honey in it or anything else you want. But what I've found, what many other people have found, is that when these nourishing herbal infusions become your mainstay, day drinks, and if you want a cup of coffee, that's fine, or a cup of tea, that's fine, or green tea or hot chocolate, that's all good. But the mainstay is this quart of infusion that you're not going to experience cognitive decline. You're not going to experience diabetes or high blood pressure because these herbs 
nourish your body's ability to be abundantly well. Wow. Thank you so much. Yes. I mean, you can still get in a traffic accident. You could still be diagnosed with cancer. Right? You could still, bad things can still happen to you, but you'll recover better from them. Mm. Give your body everything right. it needs to heal. Yeah. You know, I, I was diagnosed with cancer and had to go into surgery. And I told the surgeons, there were four different surgical teams. Uh, it was quite the carnival. Um, I said to them, you're not operating on a Ford. You're operating on a Mercedes. Treat it like a Mercedes. And the lead surgeon came to me in the hospital when I was recovering, and he said, you know, you told us you weren't a Ford, you were a Mercedes. He said, but that's not right. He said, you're a Ferrari. Right. That's right. So those surgeons could see in my tissues those nourishing herbal infusions that I've been drinking. Mm. And come to the Comfrey Conference, you know, you will hear so many people talking about putting themselves back together again with Comfrey. Symphytum, the joiner, the thing that pulls things together. What's the joiner that pulls things together? Comfrey. Its botanical name is Symphytum, which means to join, like a symphony. Oh, man. I really love that analogy as a that that, that um, analog as a musician. So, how easy, simple, inexpensive. Throw away your supplements. Drink nourishing herbal infusions. I haven't taken a supplement of any kind since I worked in a health food store in the seventies. And I can't wait to share this with my family. <laughs> right. And for my radiation treatments, I was going in one day and there was a x-ray up in the light box. And I stopped and I mm-hmm. said, what a good-looking pelvis and what strong femurs. They said, yeah, that's your x-ray. And I said, what? And they said, go over there and look at that. They said, because we were looking at it, we were talking about how you're in your 70s and your bones are stronger than women we see in here in their 30s. Wow. Nourishing herbal infusions. Nourishing herbal infusions. I've got to add that to my vocabulary there. <laughs> <laughs> I have a YouTube channel, and in that YouTube channel, you can see me and my granddaughter making and talking about nourishing herbal infusions. Oh, I'm definitely going to follow. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much again for your time and your wisdom and your heart, and I, I just very much appreciate this being available to us. Thank you so much. Green blessings. Good night. All right, and there are four callers that have signaled they have a question by pressing one. Our next caller is dialed in from the 917 area code. From the 917, you are live with Susan. 
Hello. Hi, Susan. How are you? Enjoying the rainy day. Yeah, it's been nice. Soft rain. It's been it's been really nice. Um, let me see. So I guess uh, in the fall, I I had discovered a fibroid on my uterus. I could visibly see it. You could visibly see it. It was kind of poking up through your belly. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, was it causing you pain? There was. There's no, no. There's been no pain at all. But I have had some. When I realized what it was, when I, I did go uh, for an exam, and then I realized mm-hmm. that was sort of what was leading to some urinary issues I was having. Um, mm-hmm. I was having. Yeah, and I thought. I thought it was age, but I thought this is it's just so weird. I had frequent, I had used uh, urinate frequently and then also very suddenly. So I'd be, you know, caught in emergency situations and I let it go on for, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I let it go on a few months and I talked to some other, you know, women in my family, you know, asking them whether this they thought this was sort of age related, but I have no other signs of menopause or any anything like that. And I let it go and I let it go. And then when I, I saw the the bump and then I could feel it, um, I was a little concerned, so that's when I, I went to get it exam uh examination and um it is uh, a fibroid and then they wanted to send me to have you know, another doctor and some procedure done um, uh, where they go up. I forgot that artery. I don't know what they called it, but I just, what, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Embolization. That's what it was called, yes. So since then, I have been taking, I have been drinking, um, um, I'm trying to remember that chase tree and black cohosh um, every day since I guess early November, and then I happen to have dry, um, some dried yarrow from the summer, and I've been drinking yarrow tea um, almost every day, and it's definitely gone down a lot, and I don't have the urinary problems anymore, and I can't see it anymore, which is really exciting yeah i'm really excited about it i feel like i did it i did it um because i I guess it was medium size and from everything i have been reading it's once it gets to a certain size you know it's like kind of good luck but yeah it's worked it's and i don't know you know which one it is that's helping the most but i'm keeping all three going since november so i guess that's one question am i I feel like I want to keep it going for a couple of months. Um, would there be anything, any reason why I shouldn't keep it going long term? No. Let's let's see what the primary properties of the herbs you're using are. Yellow is primarily thought of as a herb that pushes things and is strongly antibacterial and wound healing. So it's used um, to stop flooding from fibroids. 
Right. And I was wondering whether that was really needed. And it's also an astringent, and astringents can shrink tissue. Um, but, it, you know, it's not lauded as an astringent. It's not that it isn't, but it's, it's not what we tend to think of it as its strength. Black cohosh is an interesting root. Cohosh means root. And the root is black. And it's a pretty good antispasmodic. So it helps to decrease pain in the pelvis, especially uterine pain. And it's frequently paired with cohosh. Not that the root is blue, but the flowers are blue and the early spring leaves are blue. Cohosh meaning root. The plants are not related at all. And they had actually opposite effects. Blue cohosh increases uterine contractions and black cohosh slows them down and makes them less painful. Like all roots, they have hormonal actions. But all roots have hormonal actions, whether you're whether we're talking about carrots or black cohosh. And in fact, women do find that when they get more roots into their diet, some of those good effects that they got from taking stronger herbs can just be transferred over to their food. So plants contain what are loosely called phytoplant estrogens. They're not estrogens. They're phytosterols. They're sterolic compounds that can be converted into hormones. They aren't already hormones. Plants don't need estrogen. Hi. Um, but your body can turn them into biologically active hormones. Again, you know, I sometimes get information by looking at things kind of sideways. They did a study about uh, beans and breast cancer, and they fed a group of 100 women a single serving of beans, and then they collected their urine over a short period of time, you know, not like days, but some part of a day. And they looked in their urine for enzymes that are produced when these phytosterols are converted into active hormones. So that conversion process in the body creates enzymes that are then peed out of the body. So we could, by looking at the urine, get a view into how those hundred women were converting the phytosterols in beans, because they're in every seed and every root, into active hormones. And we divided the women into four groups of 25. The 25 who had the most enzymes, in other words, who were getting the most hormonal effect from it, the next 25, the next 25, and then the 25 who had the least enzymes, who were getting the least hormonal effects from it. Then those women were followed for 10 years to see who got breast cancer, and the women who had the least hormones were 400 times more likely to get a diagnosis of breast cancer. Hmm. So when our body is actively bioconverting the phytosterols, it's like 
sending your body to a smorgasbord. It can make any hormone it wants. It's not being forced into absorbing a particular hormone. And the ones in things like sweet potatoes and carrots and celery root and turnips. After all, maca is a turnip, right? Which is, you know, a big, like, wool, you know, this. So these are good things that you're doing. But I think that that the goal is always to come back off the herbal medicines and back into lifestyle. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that, that you said that because I've been pulling away from the black cohosh, feeling like it's not necessary and just wanting to stay with the chase tree and I've been buying more burdock. I've been buying burdock just to, to eat in my yeah, the, past, yeah, the past couple of weeks. It's funny you say that, yeah. Um, right, right. Yeah. Okay, good. Okay. And then, and the chase, chase tree yeah. is considered the great toner to the master glands in the brain, the pineal and pituitary. And so it's often used to set the clock back. A woman in her mid-40s decides that she would like, after all, to have a child. And Vitex is a dependable way to turn the clock back for her. I've certainly also seen Vitex help women with polycystic ovarian disease, to very to much more easily become pregnant sometimes after years of not being able to come pre- become pregnant a year um, or less of Vitex. I, I will admit that usually I use Vitex tincture. I find the tincture a little more effective, and that's partly because Vitex has to be taken in very large quantity, and it's hard to drink that much Vitex tea. Oh yes, it's been these have been tinctures. Mm-hmm. Except oh, for the yarrow. Okay, Except for the yarrow. Yeah, the yarrow's been tea, but the okay. black cohosh and the and the, the Vitex I've been doing four times a day since November. Great. Okay. Yeah, in tincture. For some reason Tinkle. I thought you had they were teas. No, no. No. Um, okay, good. So I think you're doing fine. What do you think? <laughs> I think I'm a little nervous. I think you're listening to yourself. I think you're doing a great job. I think that what you know is that you are not the same all the time and that you change. And it's smart to change what you're doing as you change. Yeah. Thank you. I think you're right. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. Yeah. And there's there's something else I think it's it's separate but it's it's not separate um if I can ask about this other thing too yes, um of course. thank you thank you um so during this period I guess maybe again maybe around November or December I had a pap smear which came back abnormal and then some cell stuff happening some not good cell stuff and they wanted me Oh, right. I had the colposcopy last week. I had a colposcopy last year because of, I guess, um, positive HPV. And they did one biopsy last year, and then they determined that whatever the biopsy showed, 
that um, nothing to do, like I didn't need to do anything further at that time, just check it again in a year. So when I went this year, I guess there were, it was still HPV positive, and then I had additional um, bad numbers, um, the not good numbers. And so then I went in last week for the colposcopy, and they took three biopsies. It was really unpleasant, the whole thing. And um, and then there was some talk about what might possibly need to be done, um, but I'm waiting for the results. So now it's really interesting. Like I've had, I've always had amazing, perfect health, and this is, both of these things have been like a real wake-up call because something is not right. You know, it's like somehow I got so out of rhythm and so out of whack with my life and what's happening when, like down there. And, you know, it's definitely, it's, it's all connected, but it's, it's been a lot. It's been a lot. And I'm, I'm working on it. And I, I think I know some of the, some of the problems um, that I need to work on, but I have looked at your book. And, and I, I wouldn't would want to dissuade you from any of that, but I don't think it's really germane. Fibroids occur in up to 80% of women. They're fairly normal. It doesn't indicate that you're out of touch or that you have a problem of any kind. Very healthy women have fibroids. It's something that seems to happen. It's kind of like getting a pimple. And human papillomavirus can live on a toilet seat for up to three days. It's pretty darn easy to get. It's thought that 90% of the adult population probably has human papillomavirus. And, wow, it's a real bear to deal with. And that's why we have a vaccine against it. In England, where that vaccine was mandated, there are virtually no women going through what you're going through now. Mm, amazing. Yeah. It's yeah. so so effective. So in the year in between uh, this pap smear and that one, you did what to help your body deal with human papillomavirus? I didn't. I didn't do anything. You know, I thought I was sort of. That's okay. Absolutely. So that's that. actually what the medical profession prefers for you to do. It's nothing at all. <laughs> yeah, I. Because I it doesn't interfere with their drugs and surgery. Mm-hmm. Right. So. Um, I do do you know nourishing herbal infusions, but I'm not consistent. You are drinking your nourishing herbal infusions. Good I, I'm not, work. I'm not con- I'm not consistent with it, though, um, mostly because of cost. I can never sort of keep it going, lo- you know, long term, and then I take a break. And in, in the summertime, I'm able to find, you know, some of those things and dry them myself. But so now I, I'm not. And I would, though, if they, it may, maybe now is the time to to go back to them. I think it is. So I find that the prices from Frontier are very reasonable. Uh, a pound of nettle, I think, is running about 15 or $16. Uh, 
And that's 16 ounces, so that's $1 a day for your nourishing herbal infusion? No, that is very good. Yeah, I usually look at And I think oat straw is about the same price. Red clover is more expensive and linden is more expensive. But still in all, most of the time, it's not going to cost you more than a day. And what I suggest that people do is if there's a holiday or it's your birthday, say to people, you know what I'd really like as a gift? I'd like a pound of nettle. (laughs) I like that. It's really so much easier to get something for somebody that they want instead of racking your brain to try to figure out what they might want and then, you know, getting them something that neither one of you are sure they like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I'd like a band of metal. I always just call my mom. I want this very expensive herb book. <laughs> she was always happy that I, oh, good, right? You know, <laughs> <laughs> life so easy. So that's that's what I suggest is that it, that you find a way to budget it in by buying a pound of herb at a time. Okay. Yeah, you're right. It's a priority well, because when you buy it an ounce at a time, it is it's it is expensive. Mm-hmm. But you know, I just call up Frontier, you know, and buy the herb by the pound. Yeah. Okay, I'll do that. Yeah, yeah. I th- I think that I think it's worth it. I think the expense, which is really not great, and the time, which is quite small, um, yield such enormous dividends. And uh, you know, often I say to people, I say, a dollar a day for your infusion. What do you have to give up to have that dollar a day? Do you have to give up one coffee out a week? Right. Right. Uh, you know, okay. so that's what I suggest is that you look and see how how you find something that you could, without too many tears, give up in order to have the money for the infusions. Mm-hmm. Okay, that sounds good. We all, we all know what that is that we can do. Different for each one of us. We all know where it is. Okay. I will. I'll do that. I'll go back to the nourishing herbal infusions. That sounds right because I'm. I feel more now. Like when I sit with the burdock and I'm drawn more to dandelion and the nourishing herbal infusion Mm -hmm. sounds right. It all sounds really comforting and nourishing. And I think that's what I need right now. Um, I I do wonder. Yeah. With yeah. the um, with these you know pre these precancerous cells, and I guess there's lesions inside because there was burning when they put the you know the vinegar on. It was burning, burning, and she said you know whatever some things just didn't look right. Shows um, the lesions. Yeah, I would think so. I think that's why so, I'm burning. One of the things that I have said for quite a while, and we'll say again is. Before you even have a diagnosis, if you have a biopsy but you don't have a diagnosis, start consuming mushrooms every single day in any way you can do them. Buy mushrooms, cook mushrooms, buy powdered mushrooms, buy mushroom tinctures. 
get a lot of mushroom into you. Okay. Among the many things, mushrooms can actually help reverse some cancers or some abnormal cells. And should it actually be treatable cancer, the mushrooms will help prevent metastasis and work as a complementary medicine to help you get through treatments. Mm-hmm. How, how much do you think this is linked also to the immune system? Right, because Not it's a virus that can be that can be dormant in you know in our bodies and then it can come out. I'm sorry, did you say something? I yeah, I don't think it has very much to do with the immune system because no. what, okay. what most cancer does is it cloaks itself so it can't be recognized by the immune system. But I'm thinking the HPV virus. Which is which is isn't that what's causing the precancerous cells, the HPV virus? Yeah, but I'm saying that it that it's not because that your immune system is weak in any way. Ah, uh, okay, okay. I'm, you know, it's like saying thugs came to town and and did this. Maybe we should hire more police. Mm-hmm. It's not really that the police weren't doing their job. It's that thugs came to town. Right. And unfortunately, you know, that happens in life. My cancer was a human papillomavirus cancer, squamous cell human papillomavirus. Hmm. So... And my immune system is great. Throughout all this whole thing, I have not had a single infection. The radiation burned a hole between my rectum and my vagina so that my poo came out my vagina. And I lived like that for nine months without ever getting a vaginal infection or a bladder infection. How do you think my immune system was doing? Wow. Hmm. I've had a wound in my backside that started out three inches deep. And I, it, we're still working on healing it almost two years later, and it's never once been infected. Actually, a couple of months ago, the doctor said, I think it's infected, and took a, you know, a smear and came, and she came back and she says, there's soil bacteria, and I laughed so hard I cried. I said, soil bacteria, are you kidding me? I am rolling in the soil, sitting in the soil, soil bacteria. <laughs> 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 I am a dirt ball. What? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so my immune system is doing great, but that doesn't mean that it could find this cancer and get rid of it. Okay. All right. So the food the food alone and the nourishing herbal infusions, and you don't think St. Jones wort or an astragalus tincture? Those I the think two those I are wonderful things. 
think those are wonderful things to use. Adding. I have mm-hmm. nothing against them, but mushrooms, I think, are, are, to my mind, are very, very important as soon as there's a biopsy. Okay. And in a way, the mushrooms can be a real, you know, kind of companion every step of the way. No matter what's happening, you can still work with those mushrooms. And I, you know, I took all the mushrooms I could get my hands on from everybody who makes them. (laughs) Because cancer is a worthy opponent. Deserves our respect, our attention, and our effort. Mm, Indeed. Well, thank you, Susan. Thank you for all your advice and and for sharing your own story. And you're welcome to call back when you get a diagnosis or as you're moving through. Um, You're not limited to one call. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. Green blessings to you, too. Thanks so much. Good night. All right. We have four callers that have their hands raised. Next caller is dialed in from the 816 area code. From the 816, you are live. Hello. 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 Susan, thank you so much for all that you I have two questions. First, I am helping to caretake my mother, who's 96 years old, well, 95, almost 96, and she has quite a lot of dementia. It's not diagnosed as Alzheimer's, but she doesn't remember important things like um, that she needs to use some walking device to help her when she gets up from the chair or to, that she'll fall if she gets out of bed or, you know, she she needs full-time attention. So uh, my sister and I are caring for her at home, and she is in quite good health otherwise. I mean, like when you put that thing on her finger, her oxygen is 99. Um, she doesn't have a, um, a thyroid. Uh, some years ago she had Graves' disease, and they liquidated it out. So she does take um, Synthroid on a regular basis. But besides that, she doesn't have any other medicines that she needs to take. Um, this, But she is very tired all the time. She wants to sleep all the time. And uh, today we had a massage therapist come, and she said that she noticed that um, she had sleep apnea, like she stopped breathing when she was um, on the massage table quite a bit. And it's something that one of us is always sleeping with her. So I notice that she gets really quiet and then she, you know, gasps. For, I never connected it with anything like that as sleep apnea. So I was wondering if you had any insight on, on that. That's usually caused by relaxation of the throat tissues, which actually kind of causes them to collapse in on themselves, and then you don't breathe, and then you kind of wake up because you're not breathing. And sometimes something as simple as another pillow under her head can stop it. 
Oh, okay. We have a bed that can raise her head up with that. Yeah, do that. Yeah, just, you know, I remember visiting Monticello, and I knew that Thomas Jefferson was a very tall man, and we went in his bedroom, and I'm like, how do you sleep in that bed? The bed was like four feet long. They said, oh, well, back in that day, nobody slept laying down. They all slept sitting up so they could breathe. Okay, well, that's great. Wonderful. And you don't have to, you know, really bring her up to that angle, but just start bringing it up a little bit, a little bit, until you get it to where it's okay, so that okay. she stops gasping for breath. Yeah, wonderful, wonderful. So I have a second question, if you don't mind. Um, um, well, been- actually, I have only 15 minutes, and she said there were five people, so I thought I would just... For t- this last 15 minutes, see if I could do all five people by limiting it to one question. Does that sound okay to you? Well, it's been quick. <laughs> yeah. Call back, and you could call back next week. And that way, that way I can, we can hopefully talk to the other four people. Thank I you. so much appreciate it. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. All right, and yes, we'll go right to those four callers. The next caller is from the 908 area code. From the 908, you are live with Susan. Oh, hi, Susan. It's Carol Raftis from New Jersey. Carol. How are you tonight? Uh, Excellent, Susan. I'm going to consolidate my my questions. um, In your morning um, uh, infusion, you you brew the kava. Kava and you brew it uh, with the kava powder. It's powder, right? No, I have my cut and sift. I have cut and sift kava. Right, but they don't have that at Frontier. Do you remember where you get that one? Um, I think Star West Botanicals. Yeah, got it. Okay, and then can you brew it more than once, kava? Yes, I brew it several times. Several, I thought so. Okay. The Linden, these are all brewing questions. The Linden, how many times you do it, you brew it once with the hot water, then you mm-hmm. said you take cold water and put it in the refrigerator? Actually, with both Linden and Comfrey, I start out with a quart of water, an ounce of comfrey or half an ounce of linden. Oh, yeah. Linden and is a half ounce. Pour the hot water over it. Then I strain yeah. that off. Then I put the comfrey or the linden into a pan with two cups of cold water and bring it to a boil. Turn the fire off and let it sit for three or four hours. And then strain that okay. and put that in the refrigerator, and that's all. Perfect. And do you, the now when I rebrew the kava, so kava brew number one, I'm drinking a maybe one ounce of that a day. Kava brew number two, I'm drinking two to four ounces a day. Kava brew number three, I'm drinking oh, okay. a cup a day. Yes, yes. Okay. 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 And your matcha, you buy that at maybe at Frontier? Yeah, maca. Is that what you said? I don't yeah. generally buy maca or use maca. I prefer turnips. 
No, you said in your morning brew you have the green tea stuff, matcha. Oh, matcha. Oh, yeah, you can matcha. get matcha anywhere. I thought yeah, you said matcha. Matcha. Okay. Yeah, well, which is, I'm looking for the best yeah, you, So that would probably. You can get matcha really anywhere, anywhere at all. Okay. And, Everybody says um, matcha. Okay. And then uh, where do you, where, I just went on your website and everywhere. Where do you register for the Comfrey Conference? Nothing. What? Link's not there yet. Allie, give Allie a moment, okay? Okay. Give Allie, right, as I said, I was agitating people today and yesterday. Give her a chance to get her work done, and then there'll be a link. It'll be in the easing. Okay, in the evening. There will be good. a new evening okay. in a few days, and Allie will have okay. the links, and you'll be able to click right through the places you want to get. Thank you so much, and I'm really looking forward to that. And I'll, I have. Yeah, you know, she's working up a really nice presenters page. There's going to be some great stuff that Allie's getting together. Yay, Allie! Yay, and yay, Comfrey okay. Conference, and yay, Carol. Thanks for your questions. Yes. Good you night. So good blessing. Love you, Susan. Love, Love you. you. <laughs> we did it at the same time. <laughs> All right. It looks like our next caller is calling in from the 703 area code. You are live with Susan from the 703. Hey there, Susan. Thank you for taking my call. You're welcome. Um, so back um to something that you said to the earlier caller about dealing with a serious foe um, and taking it seriously. My question is actually about uh, COVID-19. And um, Mm -hmm. I was wondering if, based on your understanding of COVID's mechanisms in the body, uh, do you think it's reasonable to continue to take precautions like wearing N95s uh, and such just to avoid uh, sequelae, I guess is how you pronounce it? I'm a little bit befuddled by everyone just seeming like they're ready to get back to normal when COVID seems so uniquely contagious and also uh, uniquely damaging to the vascular system with unknown long-term consequences. There certainly are, and of course it varies with the variants. The original COVID-19 seemed to do a lot of damage to the heart, Omicron does not seem to be doing that damage. Um, you know, Delta seems yeah. Delta seemed to do other damage. So, it, you know, it, it's an excellent question, and I'm not sure that there is a specific answer to that question. Now, I live in New York State, and each state, of course, has its own kind of character. And the character around COVID in New York State is, we're going to wear masks in public. And we're just going to do that out of respect and caring for each other. That means if you go into a restaurant, you walk into that restaurant with a mask, and you walk out of that restaurant with a mask, even if you take the mask off to eat your dinner there. That seems silly to me. It means if you get up to go to the bathroom, you're going to put your mask on. But it means that you're probably not going to wear a mask if you're out walking the dog. Right. So there's not one perfect answer. And it has to do with 
who you're associating with. This woman who's taking care of her 99-year-old mother is going to want to be more cautious than somebody who isn't. Right. Um, All of of those things get stirred into your pot as to what you want to do. I I remember the first time I was in Japan, and it seemed very weird to me that I saw people wearing face masks. And I said, Mm. what are they doing? And my guide said, they're protecting you from their viruses. I said, really? They said, yeah. That's one of the things that we do here, out of respect for each other. Mm. And I had somebody, you know, during the the kind of, people were really like, about masks, say, oh, masks don't make any difference at all. And I looked at him and I said, you're right, mask makes absolutely no difference at all. And the next time the dentist is working on you, (laughs) the dentist won't wear a mask. Mm. You are so, you're so great about getting into the science of things. I mean, have you looked at COVID's mode of transmission? I mean, I talk to people that they think it's droplet transmission, and my understanding is it's airborne and um, the way yes, that it gets into the cells. Yes, airborne, definitely. Absolutely so, yeah. agree. You know, the first year yeah. I wouldn't pass a talking stick. By the end of that year, it's very clear that it's not transmitted by objects. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, there's just so, so many conflicting. Actual yeah. pass, pass a physical talking stick, right? But nobody's mm. sneezing on it. Right. Right. And we're outside. Right. I've been able to maintain teaching because I was already set up to be 100% outside. Wonderful. You can't wait for summer. That, <laughs> yeah, and, you know, and I... Throughout both of these years, you know, I've been pretty much of a bear, as we said at the beginning of the show, about keeping people six feet apart unless they're with a family member or they, you know, say, well, I'm, you know, just vaccinated or just boosted and I'm clear. Or somebody came in and showed me that they had just taken a rapid test and they were clear. And I said, fine. I will accept all of those things. The rest of you stay six feet away from each other. Mm. Because that that cuts transmission by over eighty percent. Just that just that distance. That's good to hear. Yeah, I I've always felt that just even the six feet with the airborne transmission might not be enough, but it's a confusing time. So many people have different ideas about how Dangerous this is well, and, again, and, it depends. and how risky it is. It might not yeah. be enough if what? If somebody just was standing there and sneezing without a mask on? Mm. Or if somebody walked through that space with a mask on? Mm. Mm. The first year, I was very cautious about singing. Mm. At the very beginning, I even had people turn around from the circle and sing out. So they were singing toward each other. Oh, yeah, that makes sense when you're thinking strongly. Because we saw that singing really passed it around, you know? <laughs> yes. Yeah. And even though we were standing in a circle six feet apart, I still wanted that extra. And so, again, there's not one, you know, specific answer to your question. But a lot of the answers, depending on what you're doing, where you're going, who you're with, how you feel, what you want. I don't want to get sick of COVID long term. 
Yes. (laughs) And eventually we will get back to normal. But as the Woodstock singer-songwriter Mark Black said, uh, when you get back, you don't get back to where you've been. You get back to where you're going to. All right. All right. Well, thanks for taking my question. Good night. Susan. Good night. About a minute and a half. Okay, it looks like I just have time for one more. All right. Uh, from the 206, you are the last caller for the evening. From the 206, you are live with Susan. Hi, Susan. It's Shay. I'm going to go super fast. Um, I've been having okay. those headaches, right? And I yes. had an MRI, and I got it without the contrast. And the results have come back. And one of the diagnoses is that I have an atypical vertebral hemangioma on my cervical spine. Um, So what my understanding of this is that usually they are non-malignant, they're benign, but I am being sent to a specialist uh, who I don't know. It's a referral so I just wanted to get some guidance and some uh, wisdom about walking into that with my eyes open, into that follow-up appointment to go over the MRI results and um, to be able to recognize, like, when to say no and when I should take time because I'm, I'm very scared about this. And that's the most important emotion to pay attention to. How many times have you made good decisions from fear? Mm. My record on making good decisions from fear is very poor. So when I know that I am in fear, I don't make decisions. I say, I need to think about this. I need to calm down. I'm too afraid to make a good decision now. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And it's okay to be afraid, and you don't have to let it be everything. Afraid can sit at the table. It doesn't have to take over the whole conversation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. That's a good hey. little nugget. Thank you. You are welcome. I hope you call Thank us you. back and tell us what happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love you, Shay. I will. Green blessings. Okay. Green blessings. Bye-bye. Good night. Bing! It's nine o'clock. Is Vanessa Nixon with us? Yes, Vanessa is in the queue with us. Mm-hmm. All right. Vanessa Nixon is a traditional naturopath who's passionate about empowering women to thrive naturally during midlife so they can make it the most vibrant and impactful phase of their lives. Vanessa believes that we all have an innate wisdom and access to ancestral healing knowledge, but we have to know how to tap into it. Once we connect with our intuitive inner healer, then we can take ownership of our own health confidently. 
Vanessa Nixon shares a combination of spiritual and practical tools, including exploring intuition, wise woman tradition, discovering her witchery, crafting a toolkit of natural remedies, embracing ancient movement meditations, and beauty practices to create radiant wellness. As an experienced expert and speaker on natural health who works with women around midlife challenges, Vanessa sees in her clients and virtual event students how the tools that she offers are urgently needed right now, especially when people's access to health and wellness resources are limited due to COVID. Welcome to the show, Vanessa. Thank you, Susan. I'm so happy to be here talking to you tonight. Oh, I'm just thrilled that we have a chance to hear from you. How did you get involved with all of these things? Did you um, go to a career day at your high school and decide to be a naturopath? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> when I was in high school, I was not at all aware or interested in anything to do with natural health. In fact, I grew up eating um, what I now refer to as junk food. Um, but what did happen was that um, I ended up um, being chronically ill, most likely because I grew up eating junk food. <laughs> um, and I was chronically ill um, through my teen years and my early 20s. And um, my mother was a nurse, and so I was on the full regimen of antibiotics for years on end and my health was really spiraling downward um, and one day in my early 20s a friend asked me why I was taking so many antibiotics and I told him the story of my uh, chronic bronchitis and uh, he said well is it helping nobody had ever asked me that question before <laughs> and I had wow. that question and just hearing that question really opened my mind to, well, if it's not helping, maybe there are other possibilities. I had never known that there were any other options except, you know, conventional Western medicine. And, um, and he said, well, I, I go to an herbalist when I get sick. I can introduce you if you'd like. And sure enough, about two weeks later, I was sick again. And um, I went to an herbalist, and she gave me a formula for respiratory health. And what had previously taken me eight weeks every time I had a bout of bronchitis to recuperate, it took two weeks with the herbal medicine. And that did it. I was completely hooked on learning everything that I could possibly learn about herbal medicine. What a great story. <laughs> well, I find that, that a lot of people uh, who are herbalists or natural health care practitioners have very similar stories. You know, they, they, overcome, they overcame their own issues, their own conditions, uh, chronic illness, whatever it may be, and they were just so excited about it that they, they knew that this was going to be their path, that they really wanted to share it with other people. And, and that really was my story as well. I, once I, I started learning a little bit about herbal medicine, and I have to say that one of the very first books that I read on herbal medicine was your Healing Wise series, um, your Wise Woman series of, of books, and I just gobbled them up. I just couldn't get enough of them. 
Um, and then I want to thank you, to, Vanessa. How wonderful. You're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah. Yes, I've been really influenced very um, strongly um, by you and your your teachings um, for 30 years now. Um, so yeah, but that was our, our culture is women, really, that we're talking about here. It's mm-hmm. a culture that is denied. It's denied that women have a culture. And yeah, it's it's my teachings in a way because I've brought them forth, but it belongs to all of us, as you know, yes? Absolutely, absolutely. Yes, and that's really one of the things that I I want women to understand most is that this is our culture, this is our um our ancestry. Um and you know, we I believe that we have this ancestral memory, even though we may not have had it passed down in in the last few generations to us, but as women, we have this history uh, available to us, and we can tap into it. We can remember. We can re-educate ourselves, and it's so important for not only us as women, but to our children and, and to the world in general. Telling a different story, telling mm-hmm. ourselves different stories is what I think you're talking about. That, yes, we're supposed to have been brought up in a storied environment with our family and learning all those things. I remember when my aunt looked at me and said, oh, and about your great-grandmother who was an herbalist in Switzerland. And I said, and how come nobody in the family has ever mentioned her before? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I've been herbalist Five years and nobody saw fit to mention this woman to me. It's like, wow. But obviously she lived on in me. Mm -hmm. And so do you have, like, specific things that you do that help awaken this in people? It seems like it's one of the main things that you do is to help people find their way back to this ancestral knowing. There are specific things that I do, and I also encourage women to find their own things, you know, that are unique to them, because I think it's different for everybody. But some of the ways that I really like to inspire women to tap into their own inner healer is to um, connect with nature. And for me, that's through plants. Uh, for some people, it's through animals or minerals or crystals or, you know, something else. But um, connecting really strongly with nature is, I find, a great way to, um, to connect with your own intuition because we are a part of nature. I think that our culture has conditioned us to think that we're separate from nature, but... Um, you know, we know that we, we are nature. We, we are connected with the earth. We're connected with all of the cycles, especially as women, we're connected with the cycles of nature. And so really tuning into those can help us tune in to ourselves and tune into our bodies, listen to the messages that our body is sending us constantly and be able to hear them more clearly and respond appropriately. Um, and, Also, um, tuning into the breath has been really uh, transformative for me um, as a way to tune into my body 
as a way to tune into nature um, and um, really listen to really get still and and hear those messages. Um, another way that has been um, really, really impactful for me is through movement. And I'm a dancer. I've always been a dancer since I was a small child. And I really um, found the form of dance that is very empowering for me and I've seen subsequently is also empowering for my students and that is belly dance or Middle Eastern dance because it is the dance of women. Uh, it was, you know, the moves were created to help a woman's body um, go through the various phases of her life um, to support uh, the to support her organs, to support her pelvis, her pelvic floor, and her reproductive organs as they shift and change and go through the transitions uh, of womanhood. And the dance itself tells the story of womanhood. Um, and so I find that extremely empowering, but also um, a way, again, to connect into myself, into my body, to uh, to embody uh, the things that I'm learning, uh, uh, the things that are going on around me, the awarenesses that I have. Um, and, um, and also, lastly, um, I really love the idea of uh, focusing on our beauty as women. We all have such a unique beauty, and um, I think that that's something else that can really allow us to drop in to who we are as individual individuals and um, and what our purpose and passion is in life is to really acknowledge our beauty as women. Um, and uh, one of the ways I love to do that is uh, because I love to make things, whether they're herbal things or uh, artsy things, um, I created a line of mineral makeup so that women would have a, you know, a safe, uh, healthy for, way to help express their beauty. Um, and I find that, you know, through dance, through connecting with nature, connecting with plants, and really acknowledging your beauty that um, the women around me are able to just feel very empowered and confident to to understand, to acknowledge that they do have an inner healer. They they do have this knowledge and this history behind them that, you know, they can take ownership of their own health and the health of their families and feel very confident about doing that. Wow. That's great. What caused you to start to focus on what you're calling midlife women? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, I think, again, that was my own experience. Uh, I am 51 now, and I went through menopause a couple of years ago. And at that time in my life, I was going through so many other changes as well. And I find this is common for women that during this phase of life, you know, everything just gets shaken up and, and there are so many different transitions that are happening, uh, whether it's changes in a primary relationship, whether it's 
children leaving the nest and, you know, becoming empty nesters, whether it's career changes or retiring or starting a new career. There's just so many things in life that are being, um, you know, the, the boat's kind of being rocked. And um, that's what was happening for me. And um, what I realized is that coming into this new phase of my life, I had several decades really strong health foundations behind me because I had had that chronic illness in my early 20s and had started to, you know, turn that around and cure myself and change my diet and incorporate herbs and, um, you know, learn about homeopathy and other natural healing modalities. And so I had a couple of decades where I could really focus on my health and creating, you know, really optimal health. And so going into menopause, I had this great healthy foundation and I had a community of women around me. I had cultivated a community of wise women, really wonderful friends, and like-minded people who were able to help me through the, these changes. And even with, you know, a really healthy diet and, you know, using herbs on a daily basis, lots of, of nourishing infusions, I still had some, some symptoms and some challenges. And I realized that um, a lot of women that I knew, a lot of my clients were coming into this phase without a community, without having a foundation of health, and they were really, really suffering. And, and I just wanted to, I wanted to create that community for other women and a place that was safe and supportive so that they could really uh, take this time to nurture and nourish themselves and come back to health and find that this is a this is a time in your life when you can really focus now on yourself and your passions and your work in the world. You know, you're past the childbearing age. Um, maybe your children are out of the home now, and maybe, you know, you're in a better place financially where you can really use this phase of life to share your gifts with the world. And I think that's what the world needs right now. At Moon Lodge, we sing a song, Nisa, Nisa, Nisa. Nisa, 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 Gaiwio, Gaiwio. And Nisa means moon, and I talk about the fact that we're singing moon, 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 which is three times three. Mm. And she's the triple goddess, she's maiden, she's mother, she's crone. And then mm. what's the three of the three? Well, in my culture, things have beginning and middles and ends. And I know that's not true of all cultures, but it's it's fairly common. So I think of the three times the three as birth to five is the beginning of the maiden. Five to ten is the juicy middle of the maiden. And ten to fifteen is the last of the maiden. Mm. Fifteen to twenty-five is the beginning of the mother. 25 to 35 is the middle of the mother, and 35 to 45 is the end of the mother. 45 to 65 
is the baby crone, the mm. beginning of the crone. 65 to 85 is the juicy middle of the crone. And 85 to 105, you sit back and let the apprentices do it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> which I keep reminding my 87-year-old friend who keeps complaining. Like, ah, ah, I'm saying, hey, you're past 85. You're supposed to be sitting back and letting the apprentices do it. Just stop, stop <laughs> complaining. You're not you're doing any of that anymore. Absolutely. Changing the story. That's Changing beautiful. the story. What, what kind of myths of menopause are you encountering out there? Are they still telling women that, that no – no previous women ever went through menopause. This is a, a local uh, phenomena of the modern age. Well, what I find, my my clients and students are feeling like um, that this is a disease. This is an illness. This is not normal. This is natural. It needs to be treated, um, and that it is like their life is over. You know, it's 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 downhill from here. Menopause is death, basically. If you're you're at death's door, nothing is ever going to be the same. And um, and I find that it's a lot of women are are terrified. They feel like they they don't know their body anymore. They can't trust their body anymore. They feel like they're going crazy. And the you know what they're being told is. Either you just have to live with it. There's nothing you can do about it. Uh, it's just going to keep getting worse for the rest of your life. <laughs> or you have to... Um, no, wait, who is telling them that? <laughs> um, really? People uh, are telling them that? People are telling Doctors them that. Doctors are telling they're, them that? The culture is telling them that? Who's telling them that it's going to get worse? Yeah, they're, they're culture are they telling, is telling themselves them that. that? I, think I think it's all of the above. I think it's all of the above. Okay. I think that they're hearing horror stories from uh, their mothers or older relatives, I think, that, or friends. And they're also, you know, culturally conditioned to think these things. And some of their doctors are telling them that, from what I'm hearing. Same old lies. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Same old Lies, you know. You, now you don't have any estrogen anymore. Such a lie. Mm-hmm. You know that human women make thirty kinds of estrogen, of which mm-hmm. one starts at menarche and ends at menopause, but the other twenty-nine are made from in utero to the day of death. There's no mm-hmm. woman who's lacking it. Can't be. Right. And right. you see, you see, menopause is an initiation, which I do too, and I. Often tell women it's puberty prime. Remember puberty? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Remember how disruptive it was? And I often ask them to think about the difference between themselves at ten and themselves at fifteen. Mm, that's that's a great question to ask people. Yeah. Right, and you between the beginning of menopause and the end of menopause, there won't be that much change. Yes, but it's because your body can't be trusted. It's because you're trying to make it stay the same, and that's not going to happen any more than it could happen at puberty. And, of course, mm-hmm. that gets us into a whole other thing, you know, about cultural acceptance of your changing body at puberty and how badly we do that for girls. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. So it even like really rolls back to right there, right as a girl approaches her womanhood and, you know, starts to get those secondary sexual characteristics and menstruate and so on, how unsupportive we are of mm-hmm. those changes which are in many respects far more frightening than menopause because at least at menopause we can say you remember puberty but at puberty you can't remember menopause you haven't been there yet <laughs> right exactly <laughs> so um what what led you to start to view menopause as an initiation uh i think it was as i was going through it and then and then starting to come out the other side looking back on it i realized that that part of the time i was in it i didn't know you know even with all of um the education that i had had you know about natural medicine and natural health um I didn't, I was so stressed by all of the different things that were changing and going on in my life that I didn't really realize I was going through it until afterwards. And when I looked back on it, I I realized that, you know, that really was like, like an initiation period where I was just down in the depth of, you know, even though I wasn't experiencing um, very, uh, strong symptoms, very harsh symptoms. Um, But emotionally and spiritually, it was kind of like that dark night of the soul. Like everything in my life is changing. You know, everything that I thought um, was uh, provided stability for me was shifting. And like the rug was being pulled out from under me. And as I, um, started use, utilizing, you know, the tools and the strategies that I have and that I uh, share with with clients and with students um, and started coming through it to the other side, um, I realized that these these things are happening for me. They're not just happening to me. They're happening so that I will dig deeper. They're happening so that I will be uncomfortable and look more closely and really look deeply at what's unfolding for me at this phase of life. I believe that what happens at puberty is that life force energy, which we have been in like a fish in water, now comes into the ovaries and the testes, making us capable of reproducing and making new life. Mm -hmm. And that men stay in that relationship to kundalini um, because they're capable of doing that most of their lives. But for a woman, we come to menopause where that particular energy is not going to be available to us anymore. Mm-hmm. And what happens then is that this very powerful life force energy, which we've been circulating between our bodies and the earth, can't ground more. It mm-hmm. literally can't go back to And it has to go up through all of the chakras, all of the energy centers of the body, where it is going to, sh- just as you're describing, it's going to shake stuff loose. Mm-hmm. 
And how many women suddenly open their mouths and the truth drops out? <laughs> and how many won't right. open their mouths, speak the truth, and bow, there goes their thyroid? Mm. Mm-hmm. Just to mention one chakra, but it's true of all of the chakras, that every every chakra, not necessarily in order, every chakra is going to get shaken up by this kundalini life force energy that is now has to make its way from the root chakra all the way up to the crown, no more going down through the earth. Mm. So it is yeah. literally initiation, not just like an initiation or, mm. you know, we we kind of imagine it to be no it literally is and i say think of how many men are sitting around praying for one hot flash <laughs> they call it enlightenment yeah. we call it menopause mm-hmm. right right would you tell women how they can get in touch with you absolutely yes um i have a website um which is herbsofgracehealingarts.com um, my email is Vanessa at herbsofgrace.com and I, um, I, I am on, available on social media through Facebook and uh, Instagram at Herbs of Grace. Uh, so any of those ways are great ways to get a hold of me. Oh, excellent. Thank you so much. It's been really wonderful talking to you and hearing all that you're sharing with us. So thankful that you are helping to restore herbal medicine to its rightful place as people's medicine. And you know that I envision that the work that we're doing is the work of weaving and that we are reweaving the healing cloak of the ancients because they, as you say, they live within us. We, we are the stuff of the ancients. We are, we are how they are expressing themselves right now. And I want to thank you for the beautiful threads and ideas that you've brought to this reweaving tonight and that you continue to bring to every woman that you touch in every family that you help. Thank you so much, Vanessa. Oh, thank you so much for having me here. I've enjoyed it so much. Green blessings, everybody. Spring is on the way. Woohoo. Talk to you next week. Good night.